signals for the Baltimore Colts. Unitas gives to Amici. The Colts are the world champion. Amici scores. Amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. California has won the big game. This is Phil Steele. This is Mike Burnham. This is Wes Durham. This is Mike Ashley. Hi, this is Chuck Foreman, number 44, the Minnesota Vikings. Woo, mercy, this is handsome Jimmy Vance, the Boogie Woogie Man. This is Coach Fry with Virginia Tech football, and you are listening to Big Dog Sports Talk. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to roll? Okay, let's do it. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. 101.7, 103.5, and AM 1460. Streaming worldwide at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the big dog, Rick Watson. Good morning. Call us up on the Baker Team Hotline at 639-4900. Love to hear from you, as always. Text line 744-2990. Rick at New River Radio, if you want to send an email, or if you just want to send a message on Messenger, you can do that, too. Keon Brown in about 25 minutes, our basketball correspondent. Bill Roth and the Roth Report to lead off hour number three, and then David Teal, the Hall of Fame Power Hour on a Wednesday. Absolutely free content for you, the smartest listening audience in radio. Woke up and it's, you know, not 50, but it's 45 and it's warmer. On our way to the mid-50s today, the way winter should be. We've had our little brush with snow. The snow cult can go away now. You got your little fun there. You had a few days of coverage. You got to get all giddy and excited. The big melt happened yesterday. It should conclude today. No more bland nothingness covering everything in sight. Sorry. 
No, sorry. Not sorry. I'll be traveling to uh, Asheville after the program to uh, hook up with the basketball team tonight. Radford University taking on UNC Asheville. That'll be a 6 o'clock pregame. 6.30 will be our tip-off tonight, half hour earlier. Of course, the Bulldogs defending champs. And they have the player of the year from last year and the defending and the uh, preseason player of the year, Drew Pember, on their roster. The Tennessee transfer. In front of a just awful crowd last night, like we knew would be the case. And as I told you to be the case, Tech knocked off Boston College, 76-71. A little closer than I thought it would be, but nonetheless... Four starters and double figures for Tech. They knocked down eight threes. Hey, and Sean Padula, six more turnovers. <laughs> he had six of the 11 total for Virginia Tech. But uh, they didn't miss a free throw. That was the difference in the game. It's one of those, if I'm BC, I'm probably walking away thinking, hmm. Uh, BC, five of nine from the line. Tech, 16 of 16. Hunter Couture, 6 of 6. That was the difference in the ballgame. Because everything else was Boston College. They dominated the glass. They were plus 13 on the glass. They had 13 offensive rebounds. So the one stat last night that separated Tech and Boston College was the free throw shooting. Of course, it was the dreaded blackout night. With the black uniforms, with the VT on the chest. So go out and run out and buy those today. Show your Virginia Tech maroon and orange pride. But as was the case, and as Mike Burnup suspected yesterday, the uh, patrons could not really come out. You know, how are you going to drive down here on a Tuesday at 9? But the students were loud, and of course, they could afford to be since they just retire back to campus in many cases or just off campus. Major League Baseball Hall of Fame selections came out yesterday, and once again, Billy Wagner did not make it. He missed by five votes. Five votes. Of course, his daughter plays basketball down at Radford University, Olivia. And I'm going to read what he put. This just is, this is shows you how the, the kind of guy that Billy is, by the way. This was after everything happened, and he didn't get in. By the way, it was... Uh, Todd Helton, Adrian Beltre, and Joe Maurer. I never really thought Joe Maurer had a Hall of Fame career, but anyway, he's in. By the way, Beltre and Maurer get in on the first ballot. Helton gets in on the sixth ballot. Helton, better player than both. So, anyway, this is what Billy Twee, uh, put on his Facebook. He said, I'd like to thank everyone for the outpouring of support. For me today, it didn't go as planned, but life happens. This is a great opportunity to celebrate others who have reached the Hall of Fame. Again, nothing but class. To my family, you're the greatest part of me. To my friends, your support and love for me and my family is a blessing. And to the Black Hats and Bulldog family, you made me what I am by showing me to have the grit to fight every day. So that's what I'll continue to do. So there you go. Class act from Billy Wagner. I'm very disappointed. Most people who know him and those people who 
understand the kind of impact he had in the closer's role. Pretty disappointed today that uh, Billy is not inducted into the Hall of Fame. Five votes. He missed by five votes. But we'll get into all that as well. It happens, you know. Baseball writers have been under a lot of scrutiny, and rightfully so, over the years, much like what has kind of evolved with the NFL Hall of Fame Selection Committee. You have to have 75% of the vote. Helton, on his sixth attempt, got just under 80%. Billy Wagner, by the way, got 73.8%. That's hard to, that's hard to stomach right there. You're that close. It's his second to last year of eligibility. Five freaking votes. Maurer made it by four votes. Of course, the Baseball Writers Association of America, who haven't hid their bias over the years, are the ones who elect the Hall of Fame members. Never have really understood that either. Shouldn't it be like former players? Wouldn't that make more sense? Um, Maurer's credentials. He won batting titles three times. Only catcher to lead his league in batting average on three separate occasions. 2009 American League MVP. He won three gold gloves, three silver sluggers. Hit 306 in his 15-year career. 2100 home runs, 100 and, or I'm sorry, 2100 hits and 143 home runs. And he joins Johnny Bench and Yvonne Rodriguez as the only catchers to be voted into the Hall of Fame in their first year of eligibility. One of these things is not like the other. And I know that from a catching perspective that it's different, right? You can't necessarily judge hitting numbers with a catcher like you can other positions because of the toll that position takes on your body. You're in the crouch. You've got the gear on, all the different things you're in charge of. But, and look, I personally, whatever, I have no problem with Joe Maurer making the Hall of Fame, whatever. But it sounds like to me in his first year, those aren't first-year-worthy numbers to get in the Hall of Fame, whereas Billy Wagner has had first-year eligibility numbers and has never gotten in yet. Next year will be his last shot. I would assume that since he's that close, that next year he'll finally be inducted. Gary Sheffield and Andrew Jones were behind him. We're getting into a lot of the modern candidates that many of you, like me, watched growing up now and remember vividly their careers. But Adrian Beltre got 95.1% of the vote. Helton, 79.7. And as I mentioned, Maurer just over the threshold, 76.1. So, again, I have no problem with Maurer. I mean, whatever. But I think Billy Wagner is a much more deserving Hall of Famer. Um, he's gained 23 percentage points in the last two years. 422 saves, by the way, 
sixth all-time, a 2.3 career ERA, and he struck out 33% of the hitters that he faced. Third among pitchers who threw at least 750 innings. Third. In nine seasons, Billy had 30-plus saves and a sub-three earned run average. And that's only behind Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman. By the way, both in the Hall of Fame, and rightfully so. So you tell me whose numbers are more worthy. And I think what it is, you have these writers who probably nickel and dime it to death about, oh, the relief pitchers, oh, the value that they have and all this and all that. Well, why do you think they pay closers such big money? The feeling that it gets to get to the ninth inning and know you have a guy like Billy out there to close the game. And if there are any Twins fans, I'm not crapping on Joe Maurer. I'm just saying his numbers seem a bit pedestrian compared to a guy who's now down to his last year of eligibility next year. But it feels like he's going to have enough support. Todd Helton, it was very similar last year for him. He barely missed out. He gets in this year. I don't know what the difference a year makes, right? But I do believe next year it'll happen for Billy. But just in listening to that statement, dude is nothing but class. Nothing but class. So congrats to the Hall of Famers. Adrian Beltre was a hell of a baseball player. He had a great personality. I loved watching him play over the years. Rarely missed a game. Todd Helton, one of the best hitters of his time. Remember, he was a quarterback at Tennessee. Remember that, Todd Helton? He was a two-way star for Rocky Top. So those three players will, remember, be joined by Jim Leland, who was voted in by the non-players committee back in December. So it's a good class. It's a solid class, but it should include Billy Wagner. So they almost got it right, but if they probably had the idea we don't want to have more than three, they won't admit that, but I'd say they probably have that mindset and the conversations they have. In my mind, especially since he has five more years of balloting, I would have replaced Joe Maurer with, uh, with Billy Wagner. But that's just me. And I do know Billy a little bit, and uh, he used to come on the show all the time. And yes, his daughter plays at Radford, so he's a Highlander. And I do have a little bit of a bias. He's a Tazewell kid. He's a local kid, if you will. That's the people that we really want to have success, and uh, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, right? He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Plain and simple, he deserves to be in the Hall. So, any event, we'll see. We shall see. But that's where we are today, and um, it's disappointing. It's disappointing. All right, we're going to take a break, come back. Keon Brown in about 15 minutes. Hope everybody's doing okay wherever you might be. It'll be a warmer day in the hood today. Lots of rain tomorrow, apparently, but I'm almost 60 degrees on Thursday. Just getting started. We've got Keon, we've got Bill Roth, and David Teal today on the program.
This is Billy Wagner of the Houston Astros. I listen to a Big Dog Sports Talk. Couldn't get a ticket. Well, we feel for you, Billy, and we're pulling for you next year. I'm sure you'll find your rightful place next year. 639-4900-744-2990. Sammy writes in, it's almost intentional at times how long they make certain guys in certain positions wait. No rhyme or reason from the writers. Thanks, Sammy. That's what I said. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I don't begrudge any of the names. I thought Helton should have been in before. I agree. Beltre should be there. He was a like a terrific player, man. And look, Mowers got the batting titles and, and all that, and he was an MVP. I, okay. That, okay. In a very difficult position to play. But I know that sometimes they can't pitch more than two, sometimes three days in a row, but... How much pressure is on a closer as opposed to other positions, right? I mean, and to go out there and perform like he did at what, like 5'10", the power that he would get on that fastball? Man, he was fun to watch. Just a bulldog, no pun intended. See, Taswell, see what I did there? Aren't they the bulldogs? <laughs> That's why you listen to this program. We'll talk to Keon Brown. Some, some hoops coming up. Get a uh, preview of, if you haven't seen Drew Pember play for Asheville, you're missing out. He is far and away the best player in the Big South. I mean, I will concede that. He is terrific. Um, and Radford's got to deal with that tonight. And we'll see how it goes. And it, we'll see how it goes. Oh, really? So text message came in. There's a live version of Jukebox Hero with an orchestra. He says it's epic. Really? Okay. I will have to check that out. I didn't realize that. Man, all I know is when I went to, oh, what record store was it? Help me out, peeps. What was the record store? And this was before the mall. Okay, I'm not thinking the mall where you had disc jockey records. I was a manager there. But what was the name of the store? Was it National Record Mart in Blacksburg? Does anybody remember? That seems right to me. National Record Mart. I know they had stuff at Book Strings and Things. Remember Book Strings and Things in Blacksburg? Love that store. I want to say it was called National Record Mart. And I'm sure it was some kind of chain. Anyway, I just remember going in there with my lawn mowing money. And I bought the Foreigner 4 album. You know, it's the black and white cover, like with the old countdown before a show or a movie. And, of course, it has a 4 on there. I couldn't wait to buy that album. No, it wasn't the record exchange. Or maybe it was. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. It was, I thought it was the National Record Mart or something. Maybe it was record exchange. Okay, everybody's saying it's the record exchange. All right. Anyway, so I went to the record exchange (laughs) I'll I'll trust the smartest listening audience in radio. And I bought that album. I remember I just wore it out, man. I wore out Foreigner 4. Loved Jukebox Hero. Still do. But if they got an orchestra with it, I got to check that out. Thanks for the heads up. That's really cool. Really cool. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Speaking of cool, Keon Brown will join us. Talk about uh, Tech getting a win last night. They win it. From the free throw line. I mean, they were 16 to 16, got crushed on the glass, somehow still won the game. 
in front of a very sparse crowd, which we knew would be the case when you tip off after 9 o'clock on a Tuesday. Nice job, ACC. Nice job, TV. We'll be back. Top of the hour. Getting uh, some text about uh, Billy Wagner, the snub from the uh, Hall of Fame. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Joining us now on the program, he is our basketball correspondent, former Radford University Highlander, and quite simply one of my all time favorite human beings. His name is Keon Brown. KB, good morning. How are you, my friend? Rick Watson, what's going on, brother? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Doing okay. Got a uh, trip ahead after the show, heading down through. Uh, Tennessee, it's actually a, a nice drive. If you have to make a drive on the road, you know you've done it. You go from 81 South down into Tennessee, Johnson City, and you hit 26, and then those mountains of Asheville. Beautiful, beautiful drive. And yeah. tonight the yeah, Highlanders, yeah, yeah. Highlanders got their hands full tonight. And I want to ask you, you know, Drew Pember, look, I mean, he is he's different. Um, he is by far and away the best player in our league. And I was trying to think. And you'll probably have a better memory than me. I mean, when's the last time in the Big South we've seen a guy that's clearly separated himself this much from everybody else? I mean, he's just that good. Oh, my goodness. I have one at the top of my head. I think you might have forgot. He's fairly recent. Chris Clemens. Oh, you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, my goodness. Yeah, you're right. I mean, as a shooter and a scorer, you're right. I guess I don't think about him as much because he was only like 5'8", but you're right. He did average 30 you know, points a game. <laughs> yeah, he finished his career third all-time in scoring, scoring yeah. in yeah. college basketball. Yeah, he was one of those guys that got that extra year. He had four years to play. And I remember my senior year was his freshman year, and I said, "My God, I need to get out of this league. This league is too deep." God, I think he had thirty points on us as a freshman, and it was just all efficient, all efficient. And I talked to Coach McKeegan a year ago for Campbell, and I said, "Where did you find him?" He said, "He kind of just fell on our laps. We went into one of those back gyms, one of those small gyms we saw, yeah. and we knew he was going to be special. Nobody else was recruiting him. I'll never forget that story." He told me last season, and I said, man, y'all found y'all one because he is it. But Drew Pember, you talk about that guy. He is Shet Holmgren and Larry Bird as far as college basketball. They had a <laughs> yeah. baby. Yeah. He is Popeye on spinach in the Big South. He is Mario <laughs> when he eats the super mushroom in the Big South. He is on verge to be the – defensive player of the year for the third year in a row and the player of the year most likely for the second year in a row. I mean, he is as good as he gets. Not only one of the best players, not only the best player in the Big South, one of the best players in college basketball. And there is nobody in the league who has the capability of literally putting the team on his back, talking about basketball, and carrying those guys to the finish line. He is the most dangerous player in the Big South because they're never out of the game because they have him 
and nobody else does. It's literally that simple yeah. when you talk about Drew Timber. He can take over a game, and this being his last year, he is a player who is going to leave it all out there. You saw the performance he had versus Winthrop. They didn't end up winning, but he had about, what, 36 and 12. He is capable of, capable of that every single night in the league, and he is going, when come big South time is, and half point, he is going to put on a show because he is going to try to win that tournament if he can, if nobody else comes with him by himself. The good thing about Asheville, though, they have a lot of complimentary pieces around him. Nicholas McMullen is a good player. Fletcher A.B. is a sharpshooter. Josh Banks is a really good player. But when you talk about the head of the class in the Big South, it's Drew Pember and everyone else. Well, and the thing, too, I was watching him. I had not watched him a lot this year. Uh, but then I watched that okay. Winthrop game the other night uh, when they were on on Thursday since we had played on Wednesday. They got chosen for the Thursday game. Yeah. And the one thing that impressed me, too, and, and you can talk about this because you were a post guy and you had to beat and bang and deal with a lot of physicality. Winthrop kind of realized, you know what, we can't guard him. We're going to foul right. him. And we're going to foul him hard, but his mentality, he gets hit hard, man. I mean, he, he gets to the free throw line a lot. You know, he's fourth in the country yep. in free throw attempts, but he earns them. But, KB, I'm impressed. Uh, talk about the mentality you have to have. He knows his game. He knows the advantages that he has. But, I mean, he was getting pummeled, but he just picks himself up, goes to the line, and knocks down his free throws. Yeah, he knows he has to do that. If his team is going to win. He's going to have to battle down there. On the offensive end, he likes to stretch – the bigs outside of the paint, space the floor out a bit, drive on them. They do a lot of isolations for him. And the difference between a season ago for UFC Asheville and this season is that they don't have Tajon Jones. And Tajon Jones is one of the best three-point shooters in college basketball last season. And you pretty much, when you play UNC Asheville, had to pick your poison. It was either do we want to guard Drew Pember or do we want to let Tajon Jones kill us from deep? In that Big South Championship game against Campbell, UFC Asheville was dead in the waters. Like, they were getting – like, Campbell had control of that game for the vast majority of that game. And then in the second half, Tejon Jones went off and just got white hot. And UFC Asheville came back this season. You just have to focus on Drew Pember. So, he has been struggling a bit because the focus is primarily on him. But he's still as good as he gets. And he is still the number one focus and is still unguardable. When he's playing bad, it's just because he's missing shots. It's not more so what the defense is doing. It's just him not shooting well. And I like to say there's problems and there's issues as far as soccer. There's a problem you can solve. You can figure them out. But an issue, you just simply have to deal with him and hope that he's missing. And unfortunately for us, we have to pray tonight as Highlanders that he is just simply off because he has a skill set and he is a matchup nightmare for our guys because he's going to be stretching the Justin Archers away from the basket and the Joe Harris guys that we need to rebound away, and that could play huge, you know, in what UFC Asheville wants to do tonight. And we have to play a perfect 40 minutes in order, in order to win this game. And it's going to need to be our best performance of the Big South season so far. Well, we'll say this. You know, last year, Radford held him to two out of his three lowest yep. Big South Conference scoring totals, but – a lot of that was because the one matchup, and I remember Mike Morrell said, Shaq Jules, and you remember Shaq, yeah. that guy had the ability because he's strong and agile and he was smart. Yeah. He was a guy who was a fifth-year player. He knew about you know, trying to stay out of foul trouble. He, Pember had a problem with Shaq, and, of course, he's not there anymore. 
Yeah, Shaq was one of the more athletic players. You could argue that he was the most athletic big man in the league. If you're talking about the size, yeah, the strength, yeah. the athleticism, the combination of the three, he was off the top of my head right now. It was nobody like him a season ago for sure. And, you know, I could see why he caused some problems because although Drew Pember is in fairly athletic compared to Shaq, it wasn't much you could do with him, especially on the inside. So you can see how he neutralized him last season. Keon Brown joining us on the program, our basketball correspondent. So that's on tap tonight in the Big South. Last night, Virginia Tech wins again. And, uh, you know, their season was kind of going sideways. And uh, I don't know if they've completely pulled out of it. But that win against NC State, that's a big, big win for them. And Mike Young's team now got some momentum a little bit now, back-to-back wins. Yeah, and Sean Padula hit a huge three in the second half. I think it was about just under four minutes left in the stretch of lead, but Boston College didn't go anywhere. And it was interesting that that was the first time that Coach Young has you know beaten Boston College since he's been the head coach of Tech, so I thought that was interesting. But as long as Sean Padula and Hunter Couture are playing the way that they are, Lynn Kidd is you know, continuing to improve, and you, know, you pretty much can tell this is a consistent Lynn Kidd. And then MJ Collins played well yesterday as well. As long as those two guards, though, Hunter Couture and Sean Bill playing well, they'll be in every game. Now you go against Damon Stoudemire, Coach Damon Stoudemire now in Georgia Tech, and you will have to account for Miles Kelly. And then you have to play a good Duke team who seems to be hitting that stride because Jeremy Roach and Mark Mitchell are back and healthy along with, you know, Cal Filipowski, the preseason ACC player of the year. And those guys are looking pretty good. But if you take it one game at a time, I do like Virginia Tech's chances. And then you go on the road to Miami at Notre Dame versus Florida State. So, you know, four out of your next five are pretty winnable games. And that could pretty much turn your season around. But you have to take care of business. They did it yesterday against Boston College in a game that you thought they would handle quite fairly. They didn't win as you expected them to as far as a wider margin. But, hey, they got it done, and all you can ask for is wins. Now they have to string them together, and I think they'll be able to do that. But we'll learn a lot about Virginia Tech again versus Duke, so they have another opportunity to make a statement. And it's at home, at Castle. So I think that they have the opportunity, but they'll have to play one of their better games in the ACC as well. But I like what I see from Hunter Couture and Sean Bentula. As long as those guys are playing well, Virginia Tech always has a chance. And this is about when, if you are going to turn it around, that you need to, because February is kind of that trigger yeah. month, isn't it? This, that, that's when you really have to start showing up all your misfires, things you've had trouble with. Let's get ready. Let's get strong here down the stretch, put ourselves back in tournament, uh, the tournament selection committee's eyes, and then go and have a run in the postseason again. Yeah, absolutely. It's the most important time for sure. And January is usually the slowest month in the calendar year, but you look up and it's almost over right now. It's like, man, it's February already. We're knocking on the door of March. So February doesn't get any easier for Virginia Tech. You still got that matchup at North Carolina, which they're looking like clearly the best team in the ACC. And R.J. Davis is looking like you can make the argument that he's the best guard in the country. We know what Armando Baycott brings. He's kind of tailed off a bit this season. But you still have to account for him. Then you got the matchup with UVA, and then it gets a, a bit easier at the end. So if you can weather this storm that's coming up, I think that you know they can be where they want to be 
coming into the ACC tournament time. But like you said, this is where you want to play your best around this time right now because you know that it leads to production come tournament time, and that's when you want to be at your best. But like I said, I like Virginia Tech's chances. I like the remaining schedule. It's going to get a bit tougher right now, as I said, Duke, Miami, uh, Florida State. I, I, I think the jury's still out for them, but I'm surprised at how they've started off. But you should have to account for them. And then at North Carolina versus Virginia. But like I said, I like what I see. They just have to take it one game at a time and not look too far to play that best brand of basketball. But you have to do that in February. Well, and the ACC is just like a lot of leagues. There's really only one league that separated itself, the Big 12, once again, is the best league in the country. But you know, the ACC's got some really good teams. It's very competitive. I just wonder if they're going to knock one another out of contention for the NCAA tournament. I saw one projection the other day, Keon, that only four teams, they think, might get in from the ACC. Yeah, I think they'll get more teams than that. And then you talk about the Big 12 again, and they are projected to have, what, 10-plus teams in it, and hopefully they won't flame out, but it's deep over there. We talk about Texas Tech, Houston, who barely won at BYU. We knew that it would be a struggle for those guys as they face tougher competition in a tougher conference. Kansas, who just recently lost to West Virginia. Baylor's playing pretty, pretty good. Iowa State, UCF is playing good basketball right now. So, like you said, there are good conferences, good teams. I like what I'm seeing out of the Big East as well, especially with UConn, they have the chance to be the first team since Florida to win, you know, back-to-back national championships. They're so good. And with Donovan Klingon coming back and he helped, he being healthy, the sky's the limit for UConn. In my opinion, they have the highest ceiling out of anybody playing the sport right now. So it's going to be tough, but there is still a lot of parity out there. So I think in the next few weeks we could say, the ACC has, is projected to have, what, four or five teams. But in two weeks, all of that could change. Like you said, teams could knock each other out or teams could help each other out. And you'll see someone project, what, seven teams in the ACC. I just think it's so much parity to figure out right now. And that's a good thing to have. And we're not even in February yet. So I think that as the season continues to go on, we'll get a clearer picture. But... The ACC should have more than four or five teams, in my opinion. I think we'll see that. Yeah, it feels like it. And you're right. It feels like UConn and, you know, Purdue is obviously going to be up there with the yeah. big, big guy. But Carolina and UConn. But UConn seems to be a little different right now, don't they, from everybody else in a good way for them? Yeah, they do, man. It's unbelievable. Cam Spencer's playing out of his mind. Tristan Newton was playing as good as anybody at the guard position. I mean, he's averaging seven rebounds and six assists as a point guard over there. Alex Caravan is a guy who is always going to be consistent. He was huge for those guys a season ago. And then you talk about Donovan Klingon. He was a guy who I thought would take that next step as one of the elite big men in college basketball. Although he hasn't had that as far as numbers, his impact on the game is just the same, especially on the defensive end. He makes guys think twice because he's a big body. And, you know, the focus is him as far as the big man. But they have so much over there that when you put it all together, it's just tough to compete with. And I'm interested to see who they're matched with and which side of the bracket they get on because right now if I had to pick, I'd have UConn in the Final Four. And, you know, who knows? They could be back-to-back. They're so good and so talented. And as I said, they have the high ceiling. 
in the sport. You talk about Purdue and Zach Eadie, they'll be in every game because they have him and nobody else does. He'll be the player of the year for the second straight year. It's going to be a fun march, man. Every year we talk on BDST and we say, I don't think there's been a year like this in college basketball as far as how tough it is to pick the field, especially when they announce the bracket. And I think this year is going to be the same. It's going to be tough again because there's so many good mid-major programs and so many good high-major programs, but the parity is there, and that's going to be make it, make it tough for us to pick a championship this year. When is your next broadcast? When are you back on? It's tonight. I Isn't got that? a game against you got home Longwood game? versus Gardner-Webb. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yep. Uh-oh. Better watch yep. out for Tim, Tim Kraft. Kraft. Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. They got him going. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You play against Tim Kraft, you know you're getting three things, defense, rebounding, and toughness. Then they got DQ Nichols, who hasn't played his best basketball this season. But you know you still have to account for him. So Longwood has a tough one tonight. They oh, really do. It's going to be tough for those guys at home. Guard penetration, man. They just kept coming at Radford, kept coming at Radford. Yeah. I mean, if they weren't trying to score, they were creating. They just had a great game plan. So, yeah, not a shock to see in late January into February. Here comes Gardner-Webb under Tim Kraft. Nobody wants to play those guys in the tournament. Nobody. No. 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 And then you, they – stack up their non-conference to play at Baylor, at Arkansas, at VCU. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Just know that they're going to be good at the end of the day and prepare them for the Big South play, and it has. Those guys are playing unbelievable basketball right now. Well, that's I, I kind of knew Radford was going to be up against it when I interviewed him for our radio pregame, Tim Kraft, and you know yeah. he rarely – he just said, Rick, I really think now we're starting to get it, and I think we're starting to, to start to play the kind of basketball we can. And sure enough, they go out, they fall behind big on Saturday against Winthrop. didn't matter. Ended up winning uh, very convincingly. I just, yeah, you're right. That that's that's the team right there that you had to watch out for. Yeah, I think we'll call Tim Kraft Rapper's daddy every time he comes to his daddy. <laughs> he does six in a row. Like, six in a row. 2018-2019 Big South Championship game. I will never forgive him for that, and I'm going to let him know that tonight. <laughs> you should. You should. Tell him Rick said hey, by the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, brother. Listen, have a great call tonight, man. Stay safe, and I know you'll be pulling for the Highland. You'll be watching that score as you're getting ready to do your game. Yeah, I'll be watching both, especially with that 6.30 tip-off. I have a little room to watch. There you go. go. There you go. All right, man, my best to your fam. All right, bro. All right. You too. There you go. That's uh, Keon Brown joining us on the prank program. Good stuff from him. He'll be calling Longwood tonight against Gardner-Webb, those running Bulldogs, in the Lancers' new building with all that wood. <laughs> all right, we're coming back to wrap up Hour 1. The guess who? Who? The guess who? I just did. Who? The guess who? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> by the way, we just had a listener call me up off air and say that I am correct. It was a national record mark. I didn't think it was record exchange. It was over in University Mall. He said he still had albums that had stickers on it. That is really cool. Leave the plastic on? Absolutely. National record mark over at University Mall. That's where I did the bulk of my record shopping. Couldn't wait. That was, going to Blacksburg when you'd leave the New River Valley, where I lived in the New River Valley. I know it's all the New River Valley, but when you left like Dublin to go to Blacksburg, it felt like, ooh, hey, we're getting ready to go on a nice trip here. Yeah. National record mark. Ah, my memory and recollection may be fading at times, but I pulled out national record mark. Thank you so much for the call. 
All right, hour one's in the books. Thanks to Keon Brown, Bill Roth, David Till in the third hour. More of your calls, text messages, and we'll see what we get into in hour number two straight ahead.